it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Love this podcast because it crushes your dreams of getting rich quick. They actually got me into reading stats for anything. You're tuned in to the Investing for Beginners podcast. Led by Andrew Sather and Dave Ahern. Step-by-step premium investing guidance for beginners. Your path to financial freedom starts now. Starts now. All right, folks, welcome to Investing for Beginners podcast. Today, we have episode 303. Today, we have four fantastic listener questions we got from Spotify, and we're going to go ahead and read those. So here we go. I have $10,000 to invest in the stock market. What stock should I buy and how to spread it out, Jason? So, Andrew, what are your thoughts on Jason's intriguing question? Well, thanks, Mr. Dave. Jason, you might not like this answer, but I'm going to say that you should learn how to fish instead of us giving you the fish because you're going to be an investor for the rest of your life and you're going to only have these $10,000 today. So I could tell you what to buy right now, but what's that going to do when you have 10000 in a couple of years? I would challenge you that you should learn how to fish instead of asking for a fish. So how should he go about learning to fish? We could start with our show. That would be a good start. I guess... He's asking, how do I spread it out? So if I have $10,000, how do I spread it out? Mm -hmm. I'm going to go based on the assumption that you're going to save more than $10,000 throughout your life. Hopefully, that's the goal for a lot of us. So in that case, if it was me and I was like a beginner just starting, I'd pick a round number and cut it in that way. So you want to have enough baskets where you're not putting all your eggs in one basket. You're not investing everything in one company and that company could go bankrupt. We're going to spread it out so it's in different baskets. But we also don't want to spread it out too much where you're not going to get a lot of return. So if it was me and I was first starting out, I'd probably just pick like 10. Spread it out over 10 companies over 10 months. And that makes it kind of simple and easy. But just because that's something I would do doesn't make it for everybody. So there's really no wrong way to answer this question. But I'd be curious, Dave, how do you feel like somebody could look at this and spreading it out? Well, I agree with the learning how to fish idea as opposed to getting the fish. And I think that will put you in good company and it will bring you more wealth over a longer period of time than just getting 10 stock picks. And I think the way that I would go about doing it would probably be very similar to what you're talking about, but maybe what I would do is maybe consider taking a few thousand of it and putting it in, let's say splitting that up. And maybe I take 2000 initially 
And I would take a thousand bucks and put it in an SPY fund, like a, an S&P 500 ETF or an index fund. Vanguard has a lot of them, very low cost, very low fee. And that's a great way to kind of dip your toes into the market without taking on a huge amount of risk. And for those of you unfamiliar with what I'm talking about, an SPY index fund or an S&P 500 fund, SPY is the ticker I'm thinking of, but there's also a VOO or VTI. There's lots of choices and you're not really going to go wrong. Like not one is drastically better than the other. It just kind of depends on, you know, what broker you use and how available it is for each broker. And let's say that you decide that you want to use the ticker VOO. You buy $1,000 worth of that particular ETF and you start learning about the stock market. It gets you involved right away. It gets you skin in the game. It also gives you a fair amount of diversity right out, out of the gate because you're buying 500 of the best companies in the United States, which you could argue is the best economy in the world. And it's a great place to put your money and it's relatively safe, meaning that it's unlikely that 500 companies in that index are going to go bankrupt. There may be a few, but that's not really going to impact you much. And you're going to get to partake in companies like Microsoft, Apple, Google, Visa, MasterCard, Elevance, United Pacific, Union Pacific, I'm sorry, it's just on and on and on. Tesla, there's, there are so many good, great companies in the S&P 500 and you're going to own a piece of them to start with. Then I would probably take $1,000 and maybe pick two companies that I don't really know anything about, but maybe they're products that I use a lot. You know, Common uses of that are something like Starbucks and Walmart, for example, two easy companies to buy. Most people are familiar with the names and what they do. And it also kind of gets your, it gets your, your feet wet. You get to learn what it is to buy and hold an individual company. And it's not always easy. And I think those kinds of things would probably be a great place to start. I'm not saying go out and buy Starbucks or Walmart. I'm just using those examples. It could easily be Netflix and Google for that matter or anything else that really strikes your fancy. The goal here is not necessarily to buy the next Amazon or Google. Although if you do buy Google and Amazon, that's nothing wrong with that. But the idea is to put some skin in the game and really understand what it is to own a company in the stock market and to see the volatility on a day-to-day basis. And when you have money in the market, you're going to you're going to pay a lot more attention than if you're just watching the company on your stock ticker at work on your computer. You don't really have any engagement. There's no involvement in it. But once you have money in it, then it's going to mean something. And then I would start trying to learn how the stock market works and learn whether the two companies that I chose are good ones or not. And because if they're not, you can sell them and buy something else. And you may lose some money, but that's also sometimes a great education to learn why I don't want to buy these companies for a list myriad of reasons. And that's a great way to start educating yourself on things that I really want to buy And it can also teach you, maybe I don't like this. Maybe this isn't for me. Maybe picking individual companies is not the way that I should go. And then you can double down more on the index investing idea. But if you find you really like it and you're passionate about it and you think it's fascinating, then it can be a great launching point to to finding other companies. And the other thing to think about too, and Andrew and I have mentioned as many times in the show, it's really, really hard to find one or two good investment ideas in a month, let alone 10 or 20 or 30 in a one month. And if you can, you're way better than me and you shouldn't be listening to this podcast. <laughs> so I guess the point is, is that 
I think using this money as a way to educate yourself for longer term returns and gains, I think is a great way to do it. And then trying to put a little bit of skin in the game to start with, not the whole amount, but a little bit enough that you feel like I got something invested and I'm going to learn about this, whatever that amount may be, it could be different for every every person. And then go from there. I think that's, I guess, how I would try to look at it. What are your thoughts? My thoughts are, I agree wholeheartedly with that. I love the idea of dipping the toe in and putting enough where you have skin in the game, but you're not putting it all in and potentially regretting when you really don't know, you have no idea you're just getting started. So thousand dollars is a pretty inexpensive tuition to, mm-hmm. to learning yourself and learning the market. And to your point, I mean, it's like riding a bike in a way you don't really know what it's like until you get on and start riding. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know, and for me, I started off buying Microsoft and I bought, I think it was four shares and I was trading in the 30 some buck range. So it was like $120 investment to start. So not, you know, huge money by any stretch of the imagination. But for me, it was scary and I didn't know what I was doing. And I got lucky and picked Microsoft and it did well right from the get go. The next company I bought was Activision. Again, not a whole lot of money. I think it was trading around $50 a share at the time. And I put in three or four shares. So again, not huge stake of money. And it did really well. But then I bought two or three other companies that were complete dogs. (laughs) And did really, really, really badly. And that is what really kind of made me go, huh, this, I guess, is not an easy game. And everything you pick is not going to be a winner. And I need to figure out why were those companies bad and what could I learn from that so I don't make that same mistake. Because I had already been bitten by the bug and I wanted to invest. But these other three companies could have easily turned me off. But instead, I used it as a launching pad to learn how to avoid those in the future. That is the right mindset to have. because. To your point, who's going to find their number one first stock they ever pick to be right. the next million dollar company? I mean, right. it's not very likely for most investors. Mm-hmm. So, you know would you put like a timeline on it, or do you think people should just kind of just do what feels right for them? Like, what do you have a long term mindset searching for safe compounders? So am I. And I'm investing my entire life savings with the picks from valuespotlight.com. Budgeting was always a challenge for me. I struggled to find the best way to keep track of all of my money, not to mention all the time tracking down receipts, cataloging expenses, and trying to figure out what went wrong with my air quote system until Monarch Money. Monarch Money allowed me to easily see what is going on with my finances, helping me get a better handle on my spending, budgets, and more. It's my go-to app every day, more so than my bank, because I can quickly see where I am with my budgets and spending, allowing me to invest more and spend time on the things that I want to do. It's my GPS for money. Monarch is a top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com beginners. Unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to set up, customize, and use. Monarch has built-in features to collaborate with your partner, family, or financial advisor. Invite them to your account at no extra cost, and they'll get their own login info and a joint view of all of your finances. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. Change the layout of your dashboard, toggle between light and dark mode, create custom budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications, and more. 
In fact, Monarch Money is one of the first to bring you direct Apple Card, Apple Cash, and savings syncing with the latest iOS 17.4 update. Now you can sync your wallet directly for seamless budgeting. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash beginners. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash beginners for your extended 30-day free trial. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Did, did you put a timeline on there or did you just kind of follow the white rabbit, so to speak? Yeah, I basically followed the white rabbit. I did not put a time limit on it uh, simply because I felt like I needed to learn more about what I was doing than just continue to blindly throw, you know, good money after bad kind of thing. I was lucky and had a mentor in the branch that I was working at at Wells that kind of guided me to not throw good money after bad. And, you know, as eloquently said, don't water the weeds. And so I didn't do that. And that was great advice. It also gave me, I guess, the confidence to hold off and try to learn more before I started putting it in. And then once I started figuring out maybe a better path to go, then I started putting money into the market consistently. But prior to that, it was kind of a, there was a bit of a learning curve that I had to go through before I started. So I didn't put a time limit on myself. Everybody is different. And so some people may be motivated by that. And so that could encourage them to spend more time trying to learn this instead of taking maybe a you know more laid back approach. It really kind of depends on what's driving you where you are in your financial journey, how old you are, where you are in your career, all those things can certainly make an impact. But for me, it was more about, I figured out very quickly, mostly because after a few months, I had some losers that were pretty significant losers quickly that, okay, I need to really figure this out before I really continue, you know, putting good money after bad. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Looking back, I actually, it took me two years before I started between the time I bought my first company to the time I said, okay, I'm going to invest every single month. Mm-hmm. There's around two years gap there. So, Yeah, for me, it was probably about a year. Yeah. Yeah, it took me about a year to kind of figure out, okay, this is why this was so bad and this is why this could be good kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I'm still learning. Yeah. I'm always going to be learning. <laughs> yeah. I wonder too, like... I know I've said on the show a lot, like try to read some books about investing and that really helps. But if I think back to when I bought my first company, I think I did the buying first and then read the books after. So I almost wonder if like the books are easier to understand once you have some skin in the game versus the other way around. Obviously, I, I, I can't so. I can't know because I yeah. didn't do it one way or the other way. I did it a certain way. But you just wonder if, if that helps with the the learning curve. You know, I think I I would think that it would, and here's why. I would be afraid that I would start to have 
serious paralysis analysis. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like I need to read this book before I can do it, or I need to do this before I can do it. And when I was in the bank, I saw people, you know, I talked to people at my desk about investing and how important it was. And some of them were very well educated. Some of them you know, knew way more than I did and had read so much material, but they just, they couldn't get over the hump that they felt like they needed to know more. I need to wow. know more. You know, you've read The Intelligent Investor and you've read, you know, this book and that book and this book and that book, and you've read all of Buffett's shareholder letters and you've taken accounting classes and, you know, you know, you're ready. And they couldn't move past the paralysis analysis. And that's why I guess I think that putting skin in the game and really having motivation, I think really helps, you know, whether it's 10 bucks or whether it's $10,000, I think having some skin in the game, I think is very helpful. I agree. Now let's move on to the next one. So we got, hi, a great site. I uh, was wondering, do you know if we get qualified dividend tax treatment for ADRs as U.S. citizens if we hold for 121 plus days? For example, ADRs for companies based in Colombia, Canada, South Africa. Thanks, Ken. So this is a great question. And we have not touched on ADRs much, if at all, before. So I think this will be kind of a cool thing for people to really understand what we're talking about. Yeah, let's camp out here. This is pretty big, but it could be very helpful, especially if you're looking to invest abroad. So ADR, basically what that means is it's it gives you the ability to own stock that's in a different country. So as an example, one of the ADRs on in my brokerage account is TSMC, or Taiwan Semiconductor. Because they are based and headquartered in Taiwan, I can't physically buy partial ownership of that company. And so what, I don't know who's done this, the brokers, whoever it is in the system, they've created these ADRs, which basically you buy, instead of buying the shares of a company in Taiwan that gives you partial ownership of the company, you buy an ADR, which represents a certain number of shares in Taiwan. And I don't have it pulled up right now. I think my ADR entitles me the five shares of the company in Taiwan or five shares or five ADRs is one share. I don't know exactly, but they do all the conversions for you. That's something I could easily look up. And so because of the ADR thing, you're able to buy stocks in Netherlands, Taiwan's one, a lot of different countries. And because it's an ADR and it's not the same as buying shares of Apple, there's different rules, both on the tax side and kind of just generally how it works. So maybe we can dig into some of that. But you know, if somebody was asking you, what's an ADR? Why does it matter? How would you answer? Very similar to the way you did that. It basically allows you to be able to buy shares of foreign countries that may or may not trade on a U.S. exchange. And so they're typically associated with countries like Taiwan, China, and some other countries like that. Those are the ones that I'm most familiar with is those countries. But basically, it allows you to have ownership or partial ownership of a company that does not trade in the United States. It allows you access those countries and the liquidity of those countries. And it's an easy way to get into those without having to try to figure out how you can buy something on an exchange in China or in Taiwan, for example. And so it it makes it a little easier. I believe that the Taiwan Semiconductor does have a ticker on the New York Stock Exchange, which allows you to buy them in Taiwan. But that's about as far as I know. As far as the dividends and stuff go, that's definitely more your your domain. <laughs> yeah, we could talk about the dividends. So the, the whole dividend thing's tricky. If you're a beginner to investing 
I feel like I still remember when I learned this and it made me very, very sad because you feel like you're coming to investing, trying to build wealth. And then you find out that even as you build wealth, you have to pay taxes on it. That could be very depressing. So Mm. don't kill the messenger. I'm sorry for the bad news. If you invest and you're not in tax advantaged accounts, like a 401k or or a Roth IRA, if you're not in those, you're going to be taxed. You're going to be taxed on the dividends. Mm. You're going to be taxed when you sell any capital gains you get from it. I'm sorry, that's just the reality. When you buy stock in a country that's outside of the United States, you're going to get taxed again. So you'll get taxed by, let's say for Taiwan, you get taxed by Taiwan, and then you get taxed by the United States as well. So there's some ways to mitigate that. For example, the US has tax treaties with different countries Taiwan being one of them, where you can get a, you can basically get like a tax credit on the tax you paid. It's a little bit confusing, but you basically want to work with an accountant if you're doing this. The taxes go automatically to the foreign country. Your taxes with the United States, you pay, but then you apply for a credit and then you basically get it back as a tax refund. That's kind of the whole idea. And so depending, now here's where it gets really confusing. Depending on which country you're dealing with when you buy stock, some of them will have tax treaties and some of them won't. And some of them, the rules will be this percentage and some of them, the rules will be, okay, you can just get 100%. It makes your head spin, actually, if you start looking at the different possibilities. But there's so many different tax rules. And it's one of the reasons why I'm so hesitant to buy outside the United States because, for one, you have the whole tax thing. And then some countries don't want to necessarily say which ones, but they don't their governments aren't set up to defend private rights like some other countries are. So you have to be careful with that too. But as far as the dividends thing, it really depends. So I'll use the Taiwan semiconductor again as an example. I hold those shares in a Roth IRA. So remember a Roth IRA means there's a tax shield on it because it's a retirement account. So you get a tax shield on one side of the money. So what happens with my shares with Taiwan is when I get a dividend from the company on my brokerage statement that says you received the dividend. And then there's a line item that says foreign dividend tax paid. So because I'm with Fidelity, they handle that for me with Taiwan. And then there's another line item that says the rest of the dividend, which I always reinvest. So that kind of breaks it down for you. That's with Fidelity brokerage, right? And that's with Taiwan. Whether that's consistent with Ken talked about Colombia, Canada, and South Africa, some of those countries might not necessarily have the same kind of political relations, US and Taiwan, for example. So it might not be that simple. It might not be that cut and dry. There might not be a tax treaty at all. So I don't want to speak towards those other scenarios, but I would say you do, it does get very tricky and you do want to basically do your due diligence on it and make sure you're trying to cover all your bases. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think the biggest thing that I would probably, if this is something that you're concerned about, I would strongly encourage you to reach out to your broker and talk to somebody from your broker because they will be able to give you some at least guidance on what the rules are and then probably talking to your accountant to help you manage however or whatever you need to manage with each particular company or country. I own some shares from Canada. I also own some shares from the Netherlands. And the two companies that I own from the Netherlands don't pay a dividend, so I don't have to worry about that. The one from Canada does. And to my knowledge, shares are one for one. 
and the dividends are treated exactly the same as they would be here in the United States. But I would have to check my brokerage account. Frankly, I didn't pay that close of attention to look. And so I'm not exactly sure how the Canada did that. But I do know that the shares were one for one. And that's kind of what I know. I haven't bought Canadian shares, mm. but their whole ADR thing works way differently than the US ADRs with a lot of the other countries. So that one's kind of its own unique thing. Right. So I guess if you're a wannabe stock picker, you're hearing all this stuff and it sounds super, super confusing. Is that what would you say to somebody if they're saying, I don't even want to? deal with all of that? Why would I pick stock? What would you say to that? Well, I would say that if picking individual stocks is something that sounds interesting to you, don't let this discussion of ADRs or anything of that nature, I guess, dissuade you because you can get fantastic returns by doing it that by picking individual companies. And it could be a lot of fun too. I think the other thing to consider too is I would probably try to stick to your home bias initially So if you're in Canada, try to buy companies in Canada until you feel comfortable. And then you can branch out and buy companies in the United States or South Africa if you want. You don't have to start off being super complex just because. I think I would probably try to, I guess, simplify everything as simple as I could make it and no simpler and then kind of go from there. This is not something that I would have, in my first two, three years of investing, I would have touched with a 10-foot pole until I felt more comfortable with really what I'm doing and how that whole situation works. Once I got more experience that I was willing to kind of branch out and invest outside of the country. Now, obviously, if you're talking bigger sums of money, then you know if we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars here, there's a lot more on the line than putting $100 into a company from Canada. So if that's the case, then you definitely need to have a professional talking to you about the taxes and the implications before you pull the trigger on something like that. Because once you do, then it's a lot harder to mitigate any potential problems or work around situations. So it's better to know what you're getting yourself into before you go into it. And I think that's kind of how I would look at it. But bottom line is if you're newer to investing, I would hold off on investing outside of your home bias, wherever that may be, until you feel more comfortable with it. If you're in Europe, stay in Europe. You know, If you're in the United States, stay in the United States until you feel more comfortable and feel like you can understand these more nuanced complications that could come up. The tax stuff is really simple if you stay home, mm-hmm. at least here in the United States. Yeah. yeah, It's as simple as the broker giving you a form that you download, and then you right. can put it on TurboTax, or you can send it to your account. Right. 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 It's much more streamlined and much similar. When you when you start playing in other countries and dealing with other tax codes and other tax laws, then it can become a lot more complicated, especially if there's lots of money involved. So I'll say this as well. So well there's it's always complicated when you look at ADRs. For all the ADRs I've looked at, I'm talking about like the big ones that mm-hmm. are, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars market cap, these kind of companies. I'm not talking about some Joe Schmo company with like Five million in market cap. Talk about the big companies that everybody knows are very global. With those companies, you can look, a lot of them have disclosures in their annual reports and their 10Ks. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'd suggest a strong cup of coffee if you got to go through that. But you can do that. And while it's not tax advice, they do generally outline a lot of really good information that can can speak to the specific situation that you are looking at. So whether you're a U.S. investor or you live in the EU or whatever your scenario is, they usually try to outline the different details 
And so you can get that kind of information straight from the company that you're trying to invest in. And if you can't find that, that would probably be a red flag for me, put it in the too hard pile. So you can totally do the research. It doesn't have to be like a hopeless Google search. You can go to these companies' annual reports and check that out. Mm-hmm. I also did a blog post on kind of showing an example. So I walked through, I think it was a German company. I walked through how I looked at their annual report and kind of highlighted different screenshots of what I looked for. Mm-hmm. So you can go on our blog and you can search ADR and one of those will pop up my blog post. And that can help you if, if you know, you're serious about investing and you want to pick the right companies, but also do it in a way that you're also getting all your bases covered with the taxes. Obviously, that's what I would suggest. Yeah, no, great advice. Fantastic advice. All right. So let's move on to the next one. So we have, I recently started listening to your podcast and find it very helpful and informative. Still haven't taken action on buying a stock with the new information I have learned. I was wondering if there's a specific episode or episodes that could help jumpstart a beginner that you would recommend listening to or just start from episode one as I've been doing. So this is a good question. My suggestion, go to Back to the Basics series. So every once in a while, we'll do like a Back to the Basics. They won 231 IFB, 231 IFB, 201. Our first original OG Back to the Basics was IFB 43. That was actually a five-part series. So I would go to any of the Back to the Basics episodes and start there because we've covered so many things on the podcast. Some of them are more beginner. Some of them are more complex. I would just kind of recommend trying to start with some of the Back to the Basics stuff until that stuff seeps into your mind. And then you can move on to whatever most interests you after that. Mm -hmm. I would highly agree with that. And I think one of the things that I would suggest is you're going through some of those Back to the Basics. If there are things in there that you do not understand, Take notes of those and then go to our website, einvestingforbeginners.com and search for those in our search bar because there are going to be lots of additional information there that can help clarify some of the things that we're talking about. And all those combinations of information and resources can help give you a base for learning how to pick individual companies or how to invest in the stock market. Because if you don't know those things, it can set you back. It can cause you to maybe make poor choices when you start investing and by kind of having a basis of knowledge and a foundation, then you can start build on some of those things and start learning some of the more complicated, you know, theories and ideas. And they can help you go a long, long ways as an investor. If you really have a good foundation. Yes. All right. So we got the last one here. So in IFB 296, what's the new stock that you said you lumped into? Thanks, Craig. Wink, wink. (laughs) Well, Craig, you can go to valuespotlight.com and you can find that out right away. People pay for that research. So sorry, I can't give it to you. It is my number one position. It's almost 15% of my portfolio. It's still a good buy as we record this today, arguably even better now. And if you can get in before their next dividend, it'll be be pretty nice. So can't give it away. Sorry, Craig, but valuespotlight.com is where you can get that information. Awesome. All right. Well, with that, We will go ahead and wrap up our show for this week. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on your preferred podcast app if you enjoyed our little show. A nice five-star review will go a long ways to helping our show and helping people find our show. And don't forget to browse the incredible materials we've created for you at einvestingforbeginners.com. Lastly, continue growing your knowledge as an Investing for Beginners insider with insights and educational tips delivered right to your inbox for free. Sign up today. 
And with that, we will go ahead and sign us off. You guys go out there and invest with a margin of safety, emphasis on the safety. Have a great week and we'll talk to you all next week. We hope you enjoyed this content. Seven Steps to Understanding the Stock Market shows you precisely how to break down the numbers in an engaging and readable way with real-life examples. Get access today at stockmarketpdf.com. Until next time, have a prosperous day. The information contained is for general information and educational purposes only. It is not intended for a substitute for legal, commercial, and or financial advice from a licensed professional. Review our full disclaimer at einvestingforbeginners.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.